Heavenly Father, we thank you today that, Lord, you loved us. Lord, while we were still rebels, chasing after our own desires, our own wants, resisting you, rebelling against your will, Lord, you loved us and you saved us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, you came and you suffered and died in our place. Not because of anything that we had ever done or ever will do. But simply because you loved us enough to give yourself for us. Oh Lord God, we thank you for the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, may we celebrate that every day of our lives. May we believe that, knowing your love for us, knowing the great price that you paid for us. May we believe, may we trust in you And Lord, in times of doubt, Lord, help us to believe. Help us to overcome all of those doubts that will surely arise in our walk with you. Teach us that very thing today, Lord, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, open to, with me to Genesis. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 15 this morning. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. As we are looking at the journey of faith particularly Abraham's journey of faith and learning from his journey of faith how we can become faithful in our walk and our relationship with the Lord. Faith is a journey and it takes a lifetime to, to go through and walk that journey. Today we're looking at particularly overcoming doubt as we see Sarah overcoming the doubt, uh, her doubt in the Lord in this passage today. If you found your place then, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Thus saith the Lord, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. 
And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah, his, to Sarah and said, Quick, three says of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the, to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of, of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. Amen. May the Lord ask, add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Well, certainly in the journey of faith, one thing that always comes about is doubt. That's one thing that undoubtedly will come, is doubt. We must admit to ourselves that we have a, a problem with trusting, don't we? We have a hard time trusting others. Well, because, you know, in our experience, we deal mostly with people. And what are people going to do? Well, they're going to let us down. People are going to let us down. People will always let us down. Uh, I can tell you, I will let you down. Uh, that's just the way it is with, with human beings. We are limited and, and we are sinful. And so, undoubtedly, we will let one another down. And so, we tend to have an attitude, and, and finish my sentence here, if you want something done right, do it yourself, right? That's our attitude with life. We don't trust other people to take care of everything. We don't trust people to do things because uh, we've been let down time and time again. And so we take that, that attitude, that, that idea, and we then put it on God. We look at God and we think, well, no one else is able to fulfill all they say they are able to fulfill. So surely God must be shorthanded too. And at times we try to help God out, don't we? Well, God, I, I know you, you want this for me. Your word says that you want this for me. So I really don't think you can handle all this on your own. So let me, let me get in and let me get involved and let me help you out. That's what Sarah and Abraham had done, right? 
when Sarah offered Abraham her servant Hagar oh if God's gonna do this we're gonna have to help him accomplish this because this is just too much for God and we all have those moments because we are all filled with doubt even in our walk of faith even when we come to trust in the Lord we we still tend to carry doubt in our hearts but God is gracious and God is loving and what we'll see today that in this this passage is that God is here to help us overcome our doubts he is a loving God and he is here to help us overcome our doubts as we walk with him so as we begin to look at this passage this morning, the, the first paragraph here, what we see is Abraham's hospitality. Abraham's hospitality. The passage begins by, by noting that Abraham was sitting at the door of his tent at the heat of the day, in the heat of the day. In other words, it was nap time. It's nap time. It's the heat of the day. It, it's a time for, for herders like Abraham they would, they would herd their sheep, they would herd their flocks and their, their, their cattle to a watering hole, and they would let them remain there around the watering hole during this hot part of the day, and they would find them a nice shade tree, and they would rest. You wouldn't want to drive your herd during the heat of the day. That would cause them to become overheated. And so it was just a common time of the day to, to go and take a nap. To rest stretch out and that's what Abraham was doing now Abraham he has hired hands to take care of his flocks but still he's uh, and he's on up there in years as well uh, but he's out there and and he knows that it's it's nap time and so he's there at his tent and he's kicked back he's resting in the heat of the day at the door of his tent and as he is resting there he he looks up and they are coming at a distance, or, or three men. Now, it doesn't tell us that Abraham actually knows who these men are. Uh, at, this, at the very beginning, it doesn't, uh, it's no evidence that he knows that this is the Lord, his God. He says, Lord, uh, if I found favor, but the word there for, for that Lord is the word Adonai, which means my Lord, just like you would, would call anyone who, who you feel like is a, a, a senior to you. Uh, just like I say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to, to my elders. Uh, that's the same idea in that phrase when he says, Lord, if I found favor in your sight, then come and rest here at my place right and so we don't know it, it doesn't this, the passage itself makes no indication that at this point at the very beginning Abraham knows that this is Yahweh the Lord his God and two of his messengers two of his angels uh, surely enough that he, he can tell that there's something different about these men he sees that they are his seniors they are superior in some way and we know if we continue reading when the two messengers the two angels continue on to Sodom the men of Sodom recognize that there's something special about them uh, that's why they want them 
Uh, we'll study that next week, though. But, uh, but we see that, that Abraham, though he does not know that this is the Lord, yet he, he runs to them. He runs to them, and he shows his hospitality. He is very generous. And he says, Lord, if I found favor, then come and, and rest. Let me bring some water and have your feet washed. Now this was a, a very, a, a, a great kindness in this age and time for sure. It is summertime and we're getting ready to pull out the flip-flops and the sandals, right? And, and so we know after you, you roam the streets a while and, and flip-flops or sandals and you work out in the yard with flip-flops and sandals, at the end of the day, it feels really good to wash your feet because they've become, you know, caked up with all kinds of dirt and junk and sweaty and nasty. And so it feels good just to wash your feet. And just think about it in this day and time when all they had were sandals. And, and you go and there's no paved roads. It's all dirt roads. And, and they've been traveling, walking around, and, and their feet are sweaty and caked with, with gunk and who knows what. And so now they come, and what a way to refresh themselves but to wash their feet, to have their feet washed. And so Abraham offers this kindness. Let me... Let me have some water brought so that you may wash your feet. And, and then also, y'all rest here. Y'all settle in and y'all kick, kick back under this shade tree and, and y'all rest and, and let, me, let me bring a morsel of bread. I love that. Let me bring a morsel of bread. Just a little bit of bread. Just enough to kind of give you some more nourishment. And then what does Abraham do? Does he bring just a morsel of bread? No. <laughs> he runs into Sarah and says, Sarah, get three seahs of, of flour and bake three cakes. Now, three seahs, seahs uh, of flour is uh, about seven pints of flour. I'm no baker, but that seems like a pretty significant amount of flour. And, and so these are some pretty big cakes that he is having made for his three guests uh, and so he's making having these cakes made and and not only that but then he runs out to his herd and, and he he doesn't go get the old worn out dried up milk cow that's tough as a boot and and have it slaughtered no he goes get, he gets a young calf good and tender the passage says in other words, he brings out the very best. He brings out the very best for these three guests. And he has that calf slaughtered and prepared. He brings all of this back to them. He sets this feast of a meal before his three guests. And then it says he stood by while they ate. He didn't sit down with them and join them in the meal. But he stood by. Why would he do that? Oh, do you need some more water? Let me get that for you. He is serving them. He is waiting upon them. Showing great hospitality. I want you to see this. as We should learn this lesson. As Abraham shows us here, we should always exercise Christian hospitality. 
We should always exercise Christian hospitality. And why? Because you can never tell when you might be hosting angels unaware. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 tells us that directly. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And let's not forget the word of the Lord either. Where the Lord says on that day there will be those that stand before him and he'll say, get away from me. Get away from me, you unfaithful, unclean people. Or when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to drink. Or gave me nothing to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me not. And they said, when did we see you? When did we not feed you, give you something to drink, or give you anything to wear? And he said, when you failed to do to the least of these, you failed also to do to me. We should always exercise Christian hospitality. No matter the, the case, no matter the cause, always exercise Christian hospitality. Well, as this story progresses, Abraham's hospitality then leads to God's announcement. Now God reveals himself fully, and we're without a doubt here. He shows himself, and he reveals himself, and he makes this great announcement. And notice when he begins this announcement, he says, Where is Sarah? Where is Sarah? Abraham says, well, he, she's in the tent, right there in the tent. This is not very far away. It's very close. Abraham's uh, tent was probably under this tree that they're, they're eating at, and so they're, they're right there. Why does, the question arose to me as I was reading the passage, why, why does he ask where Sarah is? Because God's not just there for Abraham. He's there for Sarah. Now, in the last passage, we saw that God came to Abraham, and God had already revealed to Abraham that, Abraham, you shall have a, a son, not by Hagar, but Sarah, your wife. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. In fact, God had even made the point, no longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, because I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Sarai, her name shall no longer be Sarai, but Sarah. So she will be the mother of nations, and princes and kings shall come from her. God has already told Abraham. And I imagine after God told Abraham, after he established that, that covenant of circumcision with him, Abraham certainly ran and told Sarah. Sarah, guess what God's going to do for us? But Sarah had her doubts. Sarah had her doubts. So God is there for Sarah. He is there to, to build her up, to help her with this news. And so then comes the good news from the Lord. The Lord says... I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. This is the birth 
announcement of Isaac. Here comes the promised one. The one I've been telling you about all along. Now, I want to remind you how, how this story has unfolded as we have been looking at the life of Abraham. You remember back in chapter 12, that was the first time God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to give you an offspring. I'm going to give you a seed, and through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Abraham was 75 years old at that point. And then in chapter 15, when God came again to Abraham and again announced, I will give you a seed, I will give you a son. At that point, Abraham was 85. And then when God came with the covenant of circumcision that we looked at the last couple of weeks, again God announced, no, I'm not going to bless you through Ishmael, but I'm going to bless you through your seed that I will give you through Sarah, your wife. I will bless you through Isaac. Abraham was 99 years old. Think about the years that are passed by here. Abraham growing older and older. Lord, how are you going to do this? You keep telling me, but I'm not seeing it. What's going on? Nevertheless, God comes and says, Now, now is the appointed time, Abraham. Now is the time, and you will see my blessings. We see here in this birth announcement, in God's announcement to Abraham and Sarah, that God certainly fulfills his promises. God certainly and always, God always fulfills his promises. He does it in his own time. He does it his own way. But nevertheless, God always, always, always fulfills his promises. He is not like any man. See, I might could tell you, I, I promise I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, but things may get in my way or my own limitations may keep me from fulfilling certain promises. Or even my mind forgetting. And I could fail you in keeping a promise. But God, he never forgets. He never forgets. 25 years, almost 25 years have passed. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't forgotten the promise he made Abraham. And God is not limited. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by any powers of, of the world. He is not limited. God will fulfill his promises. Look through the scripture and see all the promises that God makes to his people. God never fails to keep his promises. God always and forever keeps his promises. That you can be sure of. Well, God's announcement then reveals Sarah's doubt. God's announcement reveals Sarah's doubt. Sarah's, they're listening in. 
He's just a few feet away. She's listening to the whole conversation. And she hears this announcement. And she doubts. Notice there in verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. Abraham's 99 years old. Sarah is 90 years old. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed. She laughed to herself saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? She doubts. Now, you remember that in the last passage, the last chapter, Abraham, he laughed as well, didn't he? Abraham laughed when God came and said, Oh, I'm going to bless you through Sarah, and Sarah's going to give you a child. It says there that then Abraham, this is chapter 17, verse 17, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? But God doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't get on to Abraham. What's the difference in Abraham's laughter and Sarah's laughter? Well, I believe it's this. Abraham's laughter is a laughter of joy. It's a laughter of joy. <laughs> really? You're going to do that? Yes! Thank you, Lord! Have you ever had those moments when you're so excited, so filled with joy, such, such great news that you just laugh? I think that's what's happening with Abraham. But when Sarah is faced with the news, she laughs, and her laughter is out of doubt. <laughs> God's going to give me a son at 90 years old? It can't be. Out of doubt. See a similar situation in the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke. You see Zechariah, he's in the temple, and the, the angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah in the temple and says, Zechariah, I'm going to give you and your wife Elizabeth a child. And Zechariah laughs. It's, what? I'm too old. How are you going to do this? And so God punishes him, him for his doubt. Makes him unable to speak and to celebrate the good news until the child is born. But then when Mary, faced by the same angel, and the angel gives her, Mary, you shall surely conceive. Mary says, well, how can this be? It's not out of doubt she's asking that question. It's out of just a marvel. How will you do it? How will you accomplish this? She believed that it would be accomplished, but Lord, tell me how. And she is blessed for her faith. I believe the same thing is happening here. Abraham, he laughs out of joy, out of belief. And Sarah, she laughs out of doubt. She doubts that the Lord can actually fulfill his promise. But the Lord is gracious to Sarah, isn't he? He is gracious. He doesn't say, what? You laugh? Well, forget it then. Just call the whole thing off. That's what a lot of us would do. But not God. 
God, he just takes this moment to reveal himself all the more. Look at his grace towards Sarah. God is gracious, and through his grace, he, he reveals himself even more to Sarah. He reveals his glory and his power to her. First of all, he reveals his omniscience, his ability to know all. Sarah doesn't laugh out loud. He's up back in the tent. He can't even see her. But the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? Because the Lord knew her laughter. He knew her heart. He knew her every thought. He knew her doubt. And he reveals himself. Sarah, why would you laugh? That is a grace. It's not a condemnation. It's a grace. God is revealing himself, showing himself that he is an all-powerful God. And he reveals his omnipotence, his, his all-power, his great power. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? In other words, he's, he's bringing to her mind and to Abraham's mind, is there anything out of my control? I'm the God who spoke and all of this came into being. Is there anything beyond my power and my ability? It's actually a rhetorical question that he's, he's giving to her. You laugh, you doubt, but is there really anything beyond my control? Sarah, you know there's not. You know it's not. He reveals his sovereignty. At the appointed time, I will return to you. About this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. You see, God, he is sovereign. He is always in control. He didn't work in Abraham's time frame. He didn't work in Sarah's time frame. But he says, at the appointed time, who appointed the time? but God Almighty. He says, I will return at the appointed time, the time that I set in eternity past, that Isaac would be born, and he will be born. God reveals his omniscience. He reveals his omnipotence. He reveals his sovereignty as a grace to Sarah, reminding her who he is. Showing her in person who he is. Building her up. Strengthening her faith. God is a gracious God who helps us work out our doubts. God is a gracious God who helps us work out our doubts. Certainly, doubts will come. We are all faced with doubt. That's part of us, this, human, uh, this human experience that we, we live. We are faced day in and day out with limitations. And we can't fathom the omnipotence of God. But God is here to help us work through our doubts. He reveals himself in such a way that he can build us up in our faith. He's not here to tear us down. But he's here to build us up, to encourage us, to push us forward. God is a gracious God who helps us work out all of our doubts. 
Well, from Sarah's doubts, we then see God's fulfillment. We see God's fulfillment. He says, certainly enough, Isaac will be born. Isaac will be born. At the appointed time, I will come back and you will bear a son. And God called his name back there in that previous chapter to Abraham, Isaac. That name Isaac, it means something. Most Hebrew names did. It means something. Isaac means he laughs. <laughs> he laughs. I was got, beginning to think about this even this morning as I was re reviewing my notes and just thinking on this more. Why he laughs? I mean, is it because Abraham laughed? Is it because Sarah laughed? Or could it be because God laughed? Because <laughs> here's the wonderful thing about God. You see, God doesn't do things man's way. He doesn't do things man's way. In fact, we see over and over in Scripture that God, when he works a, a miraculous uh, thing like what he is doing in the life of Abraham and Sarah, he does it in such a way that no one could ever doubt that it was God. Doesn't he? He always shows himself to be almighty, all-powerful. That's how he wants to show himself and reveal himself to us. He's not doing this so that Abraham can build himself up and look what I produce for God. Oh, no. You know, they tried to do that with Hagar and Ishmael, and God said, no, we're not doing it man's way. We're going to do it my way. Oh, God shows that the foolishness of of, shows the foolishness of, of man. As Scripture tells us, the wisdom of God is foolishness to man, foolishness to those who are perishing, foolishness to those who fail to believe in Him. Isaac, he laughs because God is showing that it's not through man's power. It's not through man's ability that salvation comes into this world. If it was up to man, we would all be condemned to hell for all of eternity. But God reveals himself. He shows that it's not by the power of man. It's not by will. It's not by the might of men. But it is by the power of God that salvation comes. Oh, he laughs. He laughs at the way we try to, to spin our wheels and, and save ourselves. And he provides the way of salvation for us. We see the fulfillment as we continue on in the story. We see the fulfillment in Isaac. This one whom God has provided. But not just in Isaac because the New Testament tells us that the seed through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed, was not Isaac. But Isaac is part of the, the divine line leading down to the seed, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You see, all of this is pointing us 
to God's great salvation in Jesus. Yes, God brought Isaac. And at the appointed time, Isaac was born. Just act like at the appointed time, Jacob was born. Right on down the line through David. And right down to the seed, God's own son, Jesus Christ. Notice what Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says, But when the fullness of time, that is the appointed time of God, had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Notice that last phrase, through God, not through man. Through God. God fulfills His promises. God fulfills His promises. He accomplishes His work of redemption. Dear friends, I want you to think about this. When you are struggling with doubts in your life, when you're struggling with doubts, and doubts certainly come, when you struggle with those doubts, here's what you do. You look to God's promises given to us in the Old Testament. You look at stories such as this, these events that happened in real history. God came to Abraham and he promised. And what happened? He fulfilled his promise. Look to the promises of the Old Testament and then go to the New Testament and see how God has fulfilled every one of his promises. See who God is. See who he is. All the empires of the world have never been able to thwart God's plan and his program. The Babylonians couldn't mess up God's plan. The Medo-Persians could not destroy his plans. The Greeks could not, could not fail his, uh, cause his plans to fail. The Romans could not keep his son from being born. God is the God who fulfills his promises and he has all power to do it. Dear friend, trust in Christ and God will help you overcome your doubts. Trust in Christ. Give your heart over to Christ. Take that small leap of faith and God will certainly help you overcome your doubts. You have doubts today, it's okay. It's all right. You trust in Christ, He will help you overcome your doubts. Oh, I love this story in the life of Jesus. It comes from Mark chapter 9. There was a man there whose, whose son was possessed by a, a, an evil spirit. Caused his son to even be thrown into the fire. Caused harm to himself. And the man comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, Jesus, 
possible, if possible, have mercy on my son and heal him. And Jesus says, if possible, if possible. All things are possible to those who believe. The man looks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus heals his son. Today, perhaps you are sitting here and you're struggling with doubt. You're struggling with unbelief. What do I do? What do I do? Your friend, when in doubt, trust in Christ. When in doubt, trust in Christ and trust in God's eternal promise through Christ. Trust in Christ and God will help you overcome your doubts. God is here today and he's asking, will you trust? Will you trust me? Will you trust my promise? You can still have your doubts. And I'll help you overcome those doubts. Only trust me. Trust me. Will you trust him today? Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, knowing how we struggle with doubts, knowing our trust issues, Lord, we are thankful that you are not a God who, who simply condemns us for our doubts, but, Lord, you are a loving, patient God who looks upon his children and lovingly helps us overcome our doubts. Oh Lord, today there are those here. There's some who, who have faith, but Lord, they're struggling with something in their lives. Wondering, where are you, God? Why aren't you intervening? Why aren't you doing something? Oh, Lord, build them up. Help them overcome their doubts. Let them trust in your sovereignty. Let them put their faith in your power. Lord, there's those here today who they're struggling to believe in Jesus. How can I know this really happened? How can I know Jesus is real? Lord, open their hearts. Let them see. Let them trust in Jesus. And Lord, show them the way overcome each and every doubt that they may hold on to. Come, Lord, today, I pray. In Christ's name, amen.